All right, here we go. Ride for the Phoenix continues. Continues. So hi, everybody. I'm Renee Bohr with my cycling buddy, Tommy O'Donnell. And Tommy, I got to tell you, I talked with our mutual friend, John Haran today. Oh, nice. And John told me that he is all fired up to join us next summer for another little cycling adventure. We won't disclose all the details, but no. you and I know what we're talking about. Yes. Oh, we're that'll be great. A challenge. Uh, same thing, you know, yep. raise money for North Lawndale College Prep. So there you, you go. You had another ride left in you. And <laughs> <laughs> I heard you seriously training too. Is that true? Every day. Yep. Every day. At, at least a mile a day. That's my goal. A mile, a, <laughs> a mile a day, you know, keeps the doctor away. That's, That's right. Staying in there somewhere. <laughs> Very good. Well, I'm, I'm getting out tomorrow. So. Uh, oh, perfect. There you go. So, uh, introduce tonight's yes. guest. I'm really excited about this person. That's all right. So, Cass, get started. Yeah, so Cass, thanks for joining us. Um, how would you say your last name? Findlay? Is that? Findlay. Yes, Findlay. Findlay. All right. So Cass, from uh, you're in Dallas area, right? I am. So thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. All right. So we'll get to uh, hear your story and uh, can't wait for that. Um, so first, I will um, ask our leadership question of the day and this one is from makita lee and she asked how do you get out of your own way believe in yourself to become the best version of yourself right so we'll uh we'll hang on to that one uh but first we'll we'll get to know you a little bit more and and your story so um so if you want to just start um a brief background about where you grew up, um, you know, how you got started in business and some, you know, career highlights and stuff so, like that. Well, just in case you couldn't tell from my accent that I'm from the Caribbean, let's put it out there. I'm from All right. Born and raised in the Caribbean. In fact, to be specific, I was born and raised in the little island of St. Vincent. Oh, which okay. many people probably don't know, especially if you're on the West Coast or in Texas. If you're from New York or somewhere in the East Coast, it's much more known than. Uh, no, it is not close to St. Thomas or St. John. It is further south. It's actually closer to South America. I think it's about 1,300 miles south-southwest of Miami. Okay. So if you know where Bob, if you have any idea where Barbados is, you're real close. All right. That helps. <laughs> So I was born and raised in, well, born and raised some of my life in St. Vincent, moved around a bit from St. Vincent to Trinidad, back to St. Vincent. Um, I was born to a single mother, one of five children. Uh, you know, it was life, we come from very humble beginnings, let's just put it that way, and by very humble, I mean really humble. I'm not trying to say dude poor, but I mean dude poor. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know... And the interesting thing, the one thing that stands out most to me, that's the game changer in my life's situation is education. Mm -hmm. It is the, it, it was a game changer. In any event, back when I was 19, which is just, you know, a few years ago, I uh, got a job in an accounting firm back in the Caribbean and 
became exposed to the world of accounting. All of that to say that this is all I've ever done. Mm. I don't, I've never done anything but this in one form or another. And back in 2014, I moved from California to Texas, which of course omits the fact that at some point I migrated and ended up in California. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which happened back in the 1990s in the first instance. So I moved to California, I think it was 96. And I spent a year there and then I moved to Italy in 97. Wow. I spent two years there. I, I moved to Italy because I took a job at the United Nations and I my duty station was Rome. So I spent two years there and in 99 I came back to California and stayed there until I moved to Dallas in 2014. Very cool. In yeah. 2015 I started um, an accounting practice which was a constant and persistent dream of mine. Um, it was interesting because in my mind, when I was growing up and dreamt about it, it took the form of a brick and mortar down the street that people could walk in because that's what I knew. Well, you know, life have a way of disrupting your plans and, you know, with all this internet and everything else and having clients in California, my biggest client is still in California. Um, it ended up that I turned into a virtual presence. While I have an office space, I hardly ever use it because I only go there to meet people when they really insist on meeting at the office. Mm-hmm. I, most of my tools, all of my tools are cloud-based, so I don't really need to be sitting in a brick and mortar. And the people mm-hmm. who support me, don't, we don't sit in the same office. They're all so, you know, it's a virtual thing, which works really, really well because now I have clients sure. in California, I have clients in New Mexico, <clears throat> I have clients in Texas. And um, looking at Colorado. So, mm-hmm. you know that the fact that it's virtual has helped a whole lot okay yeah. yeah and you have a family i do i um have well i'm a i have a young man who is in his 30s um and then i have siblings for four of them and i have uh six nieces one grandniece one grandnephew Nice. Yeah, cool. Does a lot of your family still live in St. Vincent or did everybody? A lot of my family live in Trinidad. Ah. I have one sister who lives in St. Vincent. She used to live in New York for a long time and then decided that she had it. She packed up, she moved back to St. Vincent because she wants a quieter life. Yeah. And I get it. If I lived in New York, I might have moved. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. There you go. So, so this is interesting. So I, I actually live in Minneapolis. And when we think of vacationing, my wife and I like to go to the islands. And we ah. haven't been to St. Vincent, but we've been to a lot of them. And I'm always curious because I, I was in uh, Belize a few years ago, and I was walking down the beach, and it was a restaurant right on the beach. Mm-hmm. And it said, closed. We're on vacation. <laughs> now, now, where does someone who lives in Aruba or perhaps St. Vincent go for a vacation? So do you the come US, to Minneapolis? England, Minneapolis? US, England, you know, wherever. Mostly, okay. most people end up going to the UK or to the US, but there are many people who get to other parts of Europe and other parts of the world. Okay. 
Caribbean. Or you go to the other Caribbean islands. That's also another option. That's always another option. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So what are you what are you working on now? You started your own accounting practice. It's a virtual practice. You're moving into, you, you mentioned additional states right now. You're looking at Colorado. Yes. What attracts you to Colorado? Well, I have a couple of clients, a couple of prospects who reached out to me. And so if someone reached out to you and say, hey, we want to talk to you about doing business with us, you don't say no, especially when there's really no, there is no, you know, you don't have that physical barrier because, you know, and they are, they are actually, one of the reasons they reached out to me is because I was virtual. They are looking for remote, you know, for remote work because Let's face it, being able to be a virtual presence and work remotely does actually benefit the client to the extent that you don't have certain overheads. Mm-hmm. And so it uh, ends up being cheaper. And I know most accountants want to argue about this is not a commodity and yada, yada, yada. And you can argue that all you want or we can get into the, that debate. At the end of the day, the client has to write a check. And sure. I'm sure he would rather just pay for the service than pay for that fancy office and that fancy address sure. that you sit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this begs another question then. How do you maintain a really good working relationship and build rapport with clients that you really don't meet face to face, that most of the time you're you're doing it over the phone or you're doing it via a call similar to what we're having now? Well, a call similar to what we're having now is is a useful way because you get to see a person make eye contact. But many of my clients, most of them are actually here in the DFW area. So I do get to meet them from time to time, mm-hmm. not regularly, because what I'm what you would find is that most people do not really want to spend a whole lot of time sitting across the desk from their accountant. They really have other things to do. <laughs> Either that or they don't like their accountants very much. So. <laughs> well, a part of the reason for that is usually when you come to see your accountant, it always involves problems with the IRS. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we don't want that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're probably afraid to fess up and admit that they have some issues. Right. We don't really want that. So most people are not really, you know, aching to spend two hours of their, of their day once a month talking to me. Yeah. And I do have to interact with my client. There is always like a Zoom meeting. And many of them, as I say, are here in the DFW area. So it's easy to, you know, meet up with them you know, either at my office or their office or have coffee somewhere. Yeah. And there are, I would tell you this, but they are, I have at least one client that I have never, ever laid eyes on. Wow. Yeah. They're here in Texas, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. never laid eyes That's on That's interesting. Well, yeah. Very interesting. So I just have to say that if if my bookkeeper, Julie, is listening to this broadcast, Julie, I love you. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad that you haven't raised any issues that I might have with the <laughs> That's right. Because we also have a virtual relationship. <laughs> so I, just another question for you, Cass, is uh, – you mentioned your educational experience briefly, but tell us a little bit more about that. What well, was it like going to school in St. Thomas? Um, because we, I come from St. Vincent, where Saint Vincent. it's part of the Eastern Caribbean and part of the British Commonwealth. We, mm. Our education system, it has evolved and continues to evolve. But when I was a child, we were under the, we followed the British system and our 
um, high school exit education was actually graded in Britain. It was oh, really? By, yeah, it was set mm. by the British. We took the same um, high school exit um, exam that the British children took. It was sent to us and we it was graded mm. um, under the British system. And then over time, the Caribbean started to move towards unification and started to set have their own sets of standard setters, whether for education and in other and trade and other areas. And so now, not, as a matter of fact, when I graduated high school, that was the first year of using the new standards. So we had duplicate, we had the old system, the old British system, plus the new um, Caribbean standards. Um, it's interesting because it's different from the U.S. system in that it's when you go to school, you know, in the U.S., your, your performance is um, measured over time and based on your GPA, which is cumulative. Well, when I went to school, it was all or nothing, hmm. meaning that today is the test and the grade you get and the result that will be reported depends on what you do today. Hmm. Okay. So it was kind of a pass fail. Pass or fail. Pass there or was fail. no grade point average. Yeah. It's you know this is here you know you prepare for the final exam or the test or the whatever at the end of the year. Like in high school, you had you went to school all year and you had various you know tests, but those tests were designed to prepare and to you know help you understand what gaps you have so you can prepare. Um, but really at the end of the year let's say at the end of the school year where you were moving from one grade to another it's this is the test show up take this test and that determines what happens next hmm. and, and what does happen next well that too has changed and has evolved because when i went to school what happened next is if you did not score at least a 50 percent you were going to do that year a second time okay and if you did that year the second time and did not do well, you were asked to leave. Mm. Mm. That's it then, huh? That's it, yes. <laughs> wow. That would kind of make you sit up and pay attention, wouldn't it, Tommy? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, whoa. <laughs> well, you know what, though? I would say this, that I understood to a point why that was so. Because back in my day, not there wasn't a place in high school for every student. There were more students in high school places. Mm. And okay. so being able to secure a seat in a high school was already very, very competitive. The way that mm. worked was um, we took an exam that used to be called 11 plus that became known as common entrance that is today known as CSEA, which I don't remember what that means. But what that, um, what that does is it's, I need to get that circle stop. Sure. Yeah. What that does so, is one minute. Yeah, having limited number of places and having to take that test is you know you pass the test mm -hmm. and that determines if you got a seat in a high school mm -hmm. and your placement on the test determines what high school you got a seat in mm -hmm. and all high schools are not even 
Mm. Mm. They're not all equal. Wow. Meaning, the better you do, the better the seat mm-hmm. you sit in. Right. And the better you sit, the seat you sit in for the next mm. five years determines, pretty much helps to determine how well you do at the high school exit exam. Mm-hmm. So then, like, with the job, to follow on with that, like, was, did you pick accounting or was that, like, something that was assigned to you or how does that no it sort of picked me because mm-hmm. just like um just like their challenge there were challenges and there still are but just like there were challenges of getting a seat in high school the caribbean is such that the eastern caribbean anyhow has is serviced by the university of the west indies the university of the west indies and then there's university of guyana and then i think there's university of trinidad which is a newer it's a slightly different system but basically most people from the eastern caribbean um if you're gonna go to university mm-hmm. your first first option is university of the west indies but mm-hmm. there is a challenge university of the west indies has three campuses there's one in jamaica there's one in barbados and there's one in trinidad you notice I didn't say St. Vincent, St. Lucia, um, Grenada, Dominica, mm. all of those other ones. You notice there, we didn't mention those, right? No. There is no campus there. Interesting. Uh, so it became really, really competitive getting to go to university. Mm. And depending on the island you come from, which most of the islands who do not, all of the islands who do not have a campus located there, they the cost of college is borne by the student, exclusively by the student. Mm. Over time, that has changed. We are now there's some loans and some grants and so on, but not a whole lot. Still, even today, for the most part, if you are a student in a, co- a country that does not have a physical campus, mm-hmm. the cost of going to college is prohibitive. Wow. Yeah. So all of that to say this, I graduated high school and I was an excellent student, but I graduated high school. And now, I, like I said earlier, I'm the second of uh, five children born to a single mother. Mm-hmm. Um, she came from very humble beginnings. And the idea of my going to university was, well, let's just say we couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. Right. We simply couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. So what happened is, and even without going to university, it was, there were economic struggles in my family. So we had a cousin who was a British chartered accountant and had an accounting practice. And my mom went and spoke to him and said, you know, my daughter graduated high school. She did really well. These are all the passes she got and, you know, I'm so proud and so on. But now I don't have the money to pay for her to go on to do anything else. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. my cousin said, well, let her come and give her a job. And yeah. here I am today, still in huh. the accounting profession. That's so cool. I didn't choose it. It chose me. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely, were, uh, I would say as a whole, take uh, access to the educational system for granted, for yes. sure. I mean, you don't even yes. think twice about is there a yes. school, <laughs> right? Is there, is, there a, is there a place in a high school for Johnny? Of 
coaster. It's you don't yeah. think about that. You just it's just taken for granted. Johnny's gonna go to high school. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, over time, that's that's the circumstances have changed, and that now every mm-hmm. child has a place in the high school, but all the places are not equal. Mm-hmm. So there is still that children still take that exam, but it's to determine where you sit. Right. Which still makes a make a, a huge difference. And, you know, as I think about it, and I think about back in my day when high school wasn't guaranteed to everyone, you know, when I became a mother and I had my son growing up and it dawned on me that at age 11, whether he passes or fails a test, this one test, that will determine his entire future. That's hmm. a sobering thought. Yeah. At 11. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing, isn't it? Jeez. 11. Age 11 can determine what happens to you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a sobering thought. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so based on like just your experience and, and growing up and, um, what would you say was like the most valuable lesson that you've learned? through that, through your experience? Um, I struggle to articulate this, but I think the simplest way to say this is everything is possible if you want it badly enough. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I think about my mother um, and my mother is was and will forever be the most influential person in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think about my mother. My mother was a single woman. But Mm -hmm. before that, she was an only child. She was an only child and her mother passed when she was five. And from the age of five until she was 13, she lived with her grandmother, her great grandmother. And her great grandmother passed when she was 13. Mm-hmm. And she was left alone in the world. Wow. Yeah. And I, I have a hard time as a child. I didn't understand it as a young woman. I didn't understand it. But as I had my own son and, you know, became responsible for, you know, another life, I began to understand what that really meant to, you know, I mean, 13 that's yeah you you have to figure out your life and fend for yourself at 13 yeah and how do you how do you do that i don't know Mm -hmm. i i I, you know i have a hard time and she tell us stories about when she was young but it's it's i mean it's almost unfathomable however i would tell you this over time, of course, my mother's situation changed because she had a spirit that was unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, I, I don't know anyone, I've never met anyone quite like that woman. Um, over time, her situation changed. She didn't finish um, elementary school because, like I said, her, grand, her great-grandmother died when she was 13 and she was left alone, mm-hmm. unguided, you know, whatever. So she didn't get to the end of elementary school. But when she passed, she owned and operated a school. The irony of that. Wow. That's amazing. The irony of that. Yeah. 
And where was that school? In Trinidad, because she in had Trinidad. migrated to Trinidad from one Oh, ah, wow. Yeah. So I say, what I learned by all of that is this. If you want it badly enough, you can do it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the obstacles are. You mm-hmm. can do it. You just have to want it badly enough. Wow. Yeah, that's a great lesson. <laughs> Very good lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. It's extraordinary. Real, real quick, uh, one, one question that Karen actually asked is, how far was your school from where you lived? It, um, it wasn't very far. In elementary mm-hmm. school, we lived, it took us about half an hour, and we walked to school mm-hmm. back and forth. It took us half an hour, 40 minutes to and from walking quickly. Mm-hmm. from school so it wasn't really very far mm-hmm. and in high school we, I was two and a half miles away from mm-hmm. school and home were two and a half miles away okay. so it wasn't, well you, you, here is the thing you have to remember is that St. Vincent is 133 square miles and this is a multi-island state meaning mm-hmm. that there are many because it's actually St. Vincent and the Grenadines but the island of St. Vincent, which is the main island, is where I was born and raised. So if we have 133 with all the Grenadines, you imagine that St. Vincent itself is really very small. So if you think yeah. about it in context, nothing is really very Nothing's small. very far away. Gotcha. <laughs> cool. <laughs> all right. Uh, good stuff. So are, so are you ready for the question of the day, Kat? I sure am. All right. So That's an interesting question to me. Yeah. So again, this is from Makita Lee at North Lawndale College Prep. And her question was, how do you get out of your own way and believe in yourself, um, ultimately to become the best version of yourself? See, when I think about that question, I get to thinking that it speaks to this idea of self-defeating behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think though it's a little bit more than that, in my mind, it's a little bit more than that because it speaks to doing things that would um, prevent you or obstacles to achieving your goals. But I also think it speaks to not only doing what you should not do, but not doing what you should do. I think it's a two-prong, um, mm. two-prong, uh, you must consider two sides of it. The things that I do that I should not do, that's really impeding my own development and my own success, and the things that I should do, but I am not doing. I don't think we should consider this discussion without considering both sides of it. Um, you know, right. A lot has been written. A lot has been written. There are many gurus that talk about, you know, self-defeating behavior. And I think I agree with most of it. But like I said, I think I want to add a little bit more to it. Not just the things that I'm doing wrong, but the things that I should be doing right. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I think we cannot, I don't think we can address um, getting out of your own way and self-defeating behaviors without addressing um, the need for clarity in terms of what are your goals? Be very clear, what are your goals? 
and more importantly why do you seek these goals so mm -hmm. i think more than anything else we have to first consider the what and the why and i say why because in my mind in my own personal situation the why far exceeds the what and because of my why because in my particular case the why is such that um, it's bigger than I am. Sure, sure, so, yeah. Uh, I think, first of all, the first thing that one needs to do is to be very clear what um, is your why and what what is the what and what is the why. And by doing that, you learn to recognize self-defeating behaviors. Hmm. Um, the gurus tell me that the first thing one needs to do is consider one's mindset and let go of negative behaviors and that self-doubt and negative thinking. Mm -hmm. And the gurus also tell me that most that is mostly fueled by personal inadequacy. You know, mm -hmm. an individual think that he or she is not worth it, not good enough, not bright enough, not strong enough, not fast enough, whatever it is, you can substitute mm -hmm. in, in, in front of enough. Sure. Um, the gurus say that's really one of the main causes of self-defeating behaviors. Right. On a personal level, I one of the overarching principles of my life is to honor my mother's memory. Mm -hmm. As I said, she was, is, and will always be the most influential person in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the ways, the way that I want to honor my mother's memory is to make a lasting contribution to my siblings. I express it by saying to make a lasting contribution to the people who bear her name. Sure, sure. That's how they, they are more important to me than me. I think that, you know, I, I do not stand on my own. I'm part of something. And in my mind, being part of that something is more important to me than anything else I could ever be. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, um, that's the why of what I do. Mm -hmm. wow. I, my goals, my goal, the overarching goal of my life is to make a lasting contribution to the people who bear my mother's name. So for that reason, I have very little room in my life for self-doubt self-doubt mm -hmm. because it's not about me sure it's really not about me i don't have the time or the privilege to sit here and say well i'm not good enough or i'm not fast <laughs> enough no you have a responsibility instead of thinking i am not good enough or fast enough or strong enough or bright enough i my mindset is you have a responsibility to do this so i'm not focused on the doubt I am mm -hmm. focused on why do I need to do this? Well, I have a responsibility, so I have to do this. I, I have to do it. I yeah. simply have to do it. And because I am a boots on the ground type of person, mm -hmm. um, I recognize I have a responsibility and then I have to come up with a clear plan of action. How am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. And I say that because I think that is really, it is more, it is, as I said from the beginning, while I get that it is important to not do things that uh, torpedo your growth and your goals, it is more important to do things that will facilitate 
So that's why I um, want to throw here, have a clear plan of action. I don't have time to be doubting myself. Instead of doubting myself, I need to be doing this. I need to be out networking. I need to be writing articles. I need to be reading this book. I need to be uh, contacting these many prospects. I need mm -hmm. to fill in the blank, you know, specific, what do I need to be doing? If you occupy your time and your mind with this type of activity, have a clear plan, follow the plan is really what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. You really don't have a whole lot of time to sit and wallow and feel, you know, doubtful and what have you. Now, don't get me wrong. That is not to say there will never be a time when you do not feel anxious or concerned or fearful. That is not to say that. Mm -hmm. However, I would say this, when those times, when you experience those um, sentiments and feelings, it is necessary to acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. You have sure. to acknowledge your weaknesses. We all have to acknowledge our weaknesses. In my own um, life, I can tell you this. When I was 17 years old, I learned one of the toughest lessons I have ever had to learn. And that was that I can fail, that I can <laughs> fail at something. Mm -hmm. And I learned that because I did. Yeah. I failed at my uh, equivalent of junior college for the first time ever. Oh, wow. And this was eye-opening to me. It was scary, but it, I didn't know how I was going to get through it or how I was going to get over it. It took me at least 10 years to come <laughs> to terms with it. And I think the lesson that I learned out of that was not even so much that I can fail. It was more that I am human. <laughs> right. I, yeah. I, I was forced to embrace all that that me that encompasses being human encompasses mm -hmm. you know um and then it after that 10 years it took me another five years to come to terms with another more groundbreaking idea i can fail again <laughs> right yeah but you know it's interesting it's interesting that uh you know i think this we mentioned this in a previous podcast that success is a terrible teacher that uh, we can really learn from from failure. And just because you fail, uh, there's a little bit of humility that you learn in that. And that doesn't make you a failure, right? Right, right. It's, and I love what you said about <clears throat> it's the what and the why, but it's the why that's really most important because uh, it's bigger than yourself. And I think it was Michael Jordan that said, you know, you need to live your life, not someone else's. Yeah. And you've got to take responsibility for that. And interestingly enough, uh, being responsible is one of the stated core values at North Wandale yeah. College Prep. And last yeah. night, another one came up. Uh, one of our, our, our guest, you know, Dan Zawacki, said that one of the things I learned was the importance of really being respectful. Mm -hmm. Yes. You had another one of their, <laughs> one of the core yeah. values in school. Uh, <clears throat> so just some great insights. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. Oh yeah. That's great. Hey, Cass. I, I want I want a vacation with you, Cass. Okay? I know, right? You could take Let's us to the go. islands or Maybe something. We could, we could, we could get you into a cycling trip around Lake Michigan. That might be 
I, you know, I cannot ride. I wish I could. How about driving? How about driving an RV? How would you? trying to stir the pot, but I think it's worth, you know, it's something to think about. The premise of the book is that mass incarceration is the um, new way of controlling the black population. Mm. Uh, you know, the whole mm. idea of social engineering. Mm -hmm. And you, I know there's a lot to agree and disagree on. I don't debate that, mm -hmm. but I do think the conversation is worth having. Mm -hmm. especially in our current environment where we're so polarized, you know, Democrats to the to the left, Republicans to the right, Caucasians on the, uh, the south, Blacks mm -hmm. and minorities to the north, and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. And, you know, unfortunately, which is unfortunate because the truth is at the end of the day, we are just really people. Mm -hmm. There you That's go. It. Yep. There you, you go. I it. started checking the box where they ask for race. I always write in human. <laughs> there you go. Which makes sense. I'm trying to start a movement. There you go. <laughs> I, think I think I'm going to sign on. Yeah, it's going to catch on just like Groovy. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Bringing that word back, dog on it. It's coming back. <laughs> groovy, bring Groovy back. Yes, yeah, Groovy is coming exactly back. Like, no, um, Renee, I think it's bring sexy back, but that's <laughs> how that works. he's bringing Groovy back. <laughs> next year's uh, tour, I think we're going to have to get uh, t-shirts made. I don't know if you can see this one, but it says, I'm a psychologist. Psychologist. Yes. I saw it. Perfect. All I work with, uh, with business owners and leadership teams. Yep. That's <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. So it's just, uh, just a, a, a wonderful experience having you on today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your, your busy scheduling. Good luck with your new client acquisition in Colorado. Yeah. Well, you know, there are a lot of um, marijuana facilities and all kinds of marijuana-related things in Colorado. It's supposed to be a real, really flush of cash. Yeah, so. you'll have a lot of businesses to, to help out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The AICPA frowns on it, so I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. All right. So, real quick. Um, uh, so... We are still, you know, raising money for North Lawndale College Prep in Chicago. And um, what I'll be doing is posting a link to uh, to donate to North Lawndale uh, in the comments of this of this video. Um, I found that uh, I was trying to add a, a Facebook donate button to these lives, but uh, it's just not happening. So I'm going to end up putting a, uh, 
a link to to donate in the comment section. So if anybody um, you know watching this wants to to help them out, and um, you know you can just click on the link there. Yeah, you know, and our goal our goal is to raise a minimum of a million dollars. That sounds like an extraordinary number, but all you need is you just need to reach out to a million people who will all give you a dollar. That's it. It's about it's about quantity. So it's really about getting as many people as we can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, besides getting to know awesome people like yourself, Cass, we're we're, you know, as we keep doing this, we'll we'll keep, you know, spreading the word and reaching more and more people. You know, yeah, very so, good. Anything is possible good. if you want it bad enough. There you go. That was the lesson for the day. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for bringing us back to that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish you a groovy evening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> coming back. It, it totally works. Keep that in there too. <laughs> All the best to you, Cass. Take care. Thank you. Thank All you. All right. Thanks. thanks. For Have a groovy evening. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. All right. See you guys later. All right, good night. All right, good night.